Are we ready? All right, so welcome, guys, to the first episode of the We Gonna Name This Shit Later podcast. I am one of the three hosts. My name is DJ. My co-host is going to be Dexter. Dexter Nicholas over here. And we got an official third body. Third body. Go ahead and introduce yourself, brother. This is Christian. Uh, You can also name me uh, the second nigga last. So I'm here. Time to get ready. All right, guys. So on this particular podcast, we're going to be covering... Some pretty wide areas, pretty wide areas, pretty eye-catching, ear-catching information. It could be things that we saw on the news or just some hot topics we've seen coming from memes. So with this week, we're going to talk about abolishing the police force. That's been a big conversation that uh, a lot of folks have been having. Some people are talking about defunding. Some people are talking about abolishing. So we're going to talk about our viewpoints on those particular areas. We're also going to talk about will the two-party system survive the next election series. We've been seeing some changes in uh, political ideology. The country is swaying in much different directions than what the previous political parties have provided us, so we're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about this new phenomenon that's been taking over the meme world, and that's going to be this goddamn friends dates. So we're going to start our first topic off by uh, discussing the abolishing of the police force our thoughts on it so this topic kind of came to mind for me a couple days ago i was uh, in a hotel in new orleans kind of just watching the news right when by news i mean i was watching bill maher <laughs> i fuck with bill maher sometimes some of his points are a little too like middle of the road for me yeah, he's and very it, centrist yeah he's, he's super centrist he's the definition of a fucking centrist and he brought up this point right he had two uh guests on it was a black lady and an asian guy they were talking about the need for police because he said um you know a lot of people right now are talking about getting rid of the police uh abolishing the police and things of that nature but well what happens when you don't have police officers do you have anarchy do you have the purge in the streets because that's how he described it purging in the streets so my idea was I'm still on the train for abolishing the police and coming up with an entirely new system to take care of our communities as it relates to violent crimes and things of that nature. So I think we can have a force in place, but it needs to come from the community. But for like people responding to folks that are like schizophrenic, you don't need a fucking police officer doing that. When it comes to uh, like domestic situations that haven't turned violent, we don't need police officers responding to that because allegedly they don't have the best training for this shit anyway. So allegedly, I think that is pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. Right, right. You know, they don't have any of that. I think that um, first of all, I, I'm not for abolishing the police. Uh, let me let me state that I am for defunding the police. A lot of times where Republicans get the the leg up is their ability to name things in a way that misconstrues the overall um, intended outcome for whatever it is. For for example, uh, pro-choice and pro-life, right? That it's not, it, we're not, I am not pro-choice, right? I am, I am, I am not an anti, I don't want to kill babies. That That's something they always say, right? Um, but more importantly, in the Constitution, there is only one body that actually has the right to, quote-unquote, protect the people, and that is the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office is the only constitutionally mandated form of, of policing that is allowed. And to me, in my estimation, I think that having a city police is unconstitutional, along with, like, constables and all of that. It, it just seems unconstitutional to me. 
also the the budgets um defunding just makes more sense we've allowed the police to kind of creep into a lot of areas that they shouldn't creep into like the example you gave with domestic violence and things like that and you also have to ask the question like police never or very rarely actually stop a crime they respond to crimes and so from that you have to wonder exactly how useful you are um, and the last thing is we have to, in, in order to fix the system, we have to acknowledge where the system came from. Modern policing did not happen until 1866 as a response to slavery, right? As, as a response to slavery, that's what it happened. And um, there's a very interesting story. Uh, you should all go look up uh, Black Massacres, right? And you should look up Black Massacres. The one that always trips me up is in Chicago, mm-hmm. they were, uh, it was summertime, it was during the heat streak, you know, I, I want to say it was like 1930-something, uh, and people were at the beach, whatever the beach is in Chicago, and there was a black side and a white side to the beach. People don't know that Chicago was just as segregated as as the South was, right? We know. And <laughs> people from Chicago know, but yeah. those of us down here who grew up in southern Louisiana and, you know, all the, the deep South really don't understand how segregated it was around the country. Um, and so there was, there was this kid, <clears throat> excuse me, and he was swimming and wasn't a great swimmer. And he um, meandered into the white section of the pool of, of the ocean, which is obviously crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Obvi- obviously bullshit. How can you have a white side of the ocean? Um, and long story short, they ended up, the white people ended up killing this kid, right? Killing this kid. Um, and the police were there. And the the black folks at the beach were asking them, you know, please, like, do you not see what's happening? And they didn't do anything. And that one instance led to, I believe it was three days of riots in Chicago, uh, where where dozens of black people got killed. Uh, and things like that happened all over the country. You got Colfax down here in Louisiana, where um, they slaughtered black folks because a Republican, I can't remember which one won, but the the party that the white folks didn't want to win won the governor's race. Uh, and you also have to acknowledge the election of 1800, right, when basically Republicans and Democrats made a deal for, I believe it was Rutherford B. Hayes to become president after the tied election. And basically the Republicans were like, well, the, yeah, the Republicans were like, look, if y'all give us the presidency, we'll, or the Democrats said, excuse me, we'll give you the presidency if you pull everything out of the South, right? It was, I'm sorry, it wasn't 1800. It was after um it was during Reconstruction, and they pulled all of the the military out because remember they had to send the military down to make sure that yeah. that they were uh, following the rules. And basically, they said, "We'll give you the presidency if you pull all of these things out." And so the police have never, and that's where you get Jim Crow, that's where you get segregation, that's where you get the black codes, all of those things. Uh, and so the police have never been to protect colored folks, have never been. And until you acknowledge that history you cannot move forward in a solution for a problem that you won't admit exists. All right, I'm going to be the uh, the most taboo person in the room. So I am, I guess you would consider a black centrist. Um, I have mostly, mostly liberal, but sometimes conservative views. Um, I think that's uh, sometimes hard to admit, depending upon the actual climate that, that we're in. Um, but I would say personally, like if you if you look at most black people in America, um, you know, we're we're okay with the Second Amendment. We like gun rights. We want to be able to have our own liberties. 
um, mostly conservative when it comes to, I would say, gay and lesbian rights, whether they want to admit it or not. There's a there's a sense of homosexuality um, issues in the black community that we don't speak on. Um, but I mean, when we're talking about police and, and just abolishing them, I am totally against that. I'm going to say that flat out. I am not against abolishing the police. I want to I want to explain why though. So I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree with you with your point that we have to be able to uh, be truthful with ourselves about where it actually started. And if we do that, then we have to be aware that okay, yes, it was based upon slave enforcers. We want to be able to look at what's going on now. I'm from the south side of Chicago. I grew up on 79th and Phillips. It's a neighborhood called Terrortown. And um uh, I've I've never had a positive interaction with the police in my own city. Um, when I when I came down south, that's a different interpretation. They treat you well depending upon how you come off and their perception of you. If you're if you're the well-to-do and you're respectful, you know you say yes sir, no sir. They tend to give you a certain level of decency depending upon the circumstance. Um, I have found. Black officers in the South tend to be a little bit more worse than their white counterparts. For whatever reason, I think we can dive into that, but we're talking about policing nationwide. <clears throat> it depends upon the actual department. We can't have paint a broad brush. So what happens, you know, in, in Baton Rouge as opposed to what happens in Philadelphia and Chicago are totally different. When we're talking about training, it's a lot different. Um, you know, the bare minimum to... Uh, to get out of the academy in Chicago, you have to have an associate's degree. But when you talk to some officers down here, they can't even <clears throat> they can't even fill out a fucking police report. So it it, it depends upon the level which we're, we're talking about. You know, do I think education is necessary to be an officer? Yes. Do I think we need to change how we how we globally teach? Yes. These things are are connected, but it's not just a one size fits all. We can't say we abolish the police and we don't have anything in mind as to what we're going to put there. Do I believe we should have our own black militias? Yes, we should police our own and police the police. So, you know, a socialist, centrist agenda, that's me. Fred Hampton Sr., he's my idol. We can talk about these things until I get blue in the face, but abolishing the police, I'm definitely going to say no. Um, do we amend certain things that, that, that we are doing currently? Yes. Um, we should incentivize black minority police in our communities. I guess we can say that much. Um, but, ah, fuck them. Well, and see, this is where I get, this is where I get annoyed. And hold, because... hold on, I, I got some shit for both of you niggas first. First <laughs> off, first <laughs> off, you can't believe in socialism and follow Fred Hampton or be a, a, or a democratic socialist in my opinion, right? Because that's what most of us are. Fred, mm. no, Fred Hampton was a he the was a socialist. Right, he was a socialist. But the thing is with me is we can't keep the institution how it is. This is something that needs to be completely, in my opinion, right, completely dismantled. When we say defund the police and move resources to other departments and uh, other areas, then yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But if we hire more minorities, right, we hire more marginalized people. They're just joining mm -hmm. an organization that's already fucked. It changes nothing. Well, okay, let me let me let me make an amendment to that. There, there there's a step by step process to how you have to do this. So, you incentivize them, yes, but first you have to change the actual training, and there needs to be a nationwide training. There shouldn't be one actual stipulation for 
one small municipality. And I disagree. I don't, I've never seen a sheriff in my life until I came to Louisiana, mm. ever. So when you talk about infrastructure of a city or a town, depending upon population, it, that lets you know how they actually police and they govern. At, we don't see sheriffs. Well, let me ask you this. What's the only form of police um, that gets on a ballot that you can vote for? Sheriff. Sheriff. And the reason for that, that's why it's in the Constitution, because you want to have someone to be held accountable for their actions. The reason that we get so many issues is because you get lifelong mayors in a city. And who hires the police chief? Mayors. Look at what happened in Tangipahoa Hall Parish. Mac Phipps is getting out in a few weeks, right? Mac Phipps just got granted clemency down there. Um, He's sitting in jail for a crime that someone else showed up to the courthouse and admitted to with his pastor. And the sheriff and the mayor were just like, nah, we good. And where are both of those people right now? In jail, (laughs) in prison for being corrupt. And so the police chief and the mayor are usually the issue. You know, at least if Sid Gotro is doing a terrible job, we can mobilize and attempt to get him out of office. Can't do that with a can't do that with a with a police chief unless you change your mayor. And most people don't connect the mayor to the police chief. You're right. Do you know the most corrupt mayor in American history is from Chicago? Mayor Daly. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Well, you gotta talk to Detroit about that because Kwame was running a I know. But that's that's <laughs> like that's like my dad's that's like my dad's second cousin. Okay. So it's some family involved gotcha. with that too. Um but no, but seriously, so the the Chicago mayor, uh, Mayor Daly, this is about maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, his father was mayor before him for about 30 years, mm. right? And um, also Fred Hampton was was assassinated under his under his uh, his tenure. So um, him and Ed Hederhan were the uh, district attorney. But every time his uh, his uh, his counter would, would come up in the race, they would all mysteriously die. Hmm. All of them. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, you know, but we don't, we don't have any evidence to point to it. But I mean, you know, all of them, all of them are killed or they die somehow is, 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 is a bit suspicious. But when we're talking about... When we're talking about policing, let's talk about this, all right? Gang injunctions, gang enhancements, redlining, red zoning. Um, red zoning is specific to major metro cities. So if they say, if they say that per capita, your neighborhood, right? If they can gauge your neighborhood and say that there's more than 40% homicide within your area, that's a red zone area. Mm-hmm. So they have the authority to, one, put police cameras in that location, and they have a push-up law, which means that they can come on your block, tell you to leave your block, go inside your house. Not technically within the law, but they can they can enforce it slightly. So with that, sheriff's department isn't doing that. Mm-hmm. Sheriffs are running what prisons, jails. That's about it. So what we want to take a look at in certain places like Philadelphia, Baltimore, New Orleans, even even Baton Rouge, maybe um, we want to stop the pipeline to prison because I know me personally, I've been arrested for standing outside my building. They said, that's attempt mob action. You're loitering. I live here. Oh, they'll beat you up and they'll drop you off in, you know, your rival's neighborhood. And they know it's probably going to be a sticky situation. So, you know, 
is that a police issue or is that an issue with that person is not trained properly and they have a bias that we do, don't speak of? It's a police issue. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. It's because I have interactions with black and Latino officers from my city who do not treat me as such. Mm -hmm. The reason being is because they are of that community. If you have people coming from Bolingbrook and Schaumburg, Illinois, and they're trying to police a community they don't, they have no connection to, they have never seen this area. So is it, is it a police issue or is it something to do with a personal bias and that we should figure that out before they are in the academy to begin with? It's still a police issue. It's, it's, it's who, who's allowing who's allowing the situation to flourish, right? Because that's mm-hmm. that's when you that's when you can identify it. For one, well, we need, can say they need bodies. They need I agree. bodies. I they agree. need bodies because I'm pre- I'm pretty sure the police situation right now, particularly with the riots from this past summer and the George Floyd situation, mm-hmm. it's put those police officers in a very interesting position, right? Yeah. You're being challenged by society about the current way that you conduct your business, and I can't necessarily say I blame the individuals right now because your department has allowed this bullshit to flourish, right? It's kind of like they've been noticing problem after problem, Band-Aid, 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 Band-Aid. You have a fucking broken arm. (laughs) Your arm is fucking hanging off, and you just keep putting the Band-Aid on that motherfucker. So I, I get the personal biases that can come into play because we all got personal biases and shit, right? So I can see how personal bias can come into play, but I can also see how it's more of a systemic issue when you allow those personal biases to kind of seep through. Well, you know, there's no such thing as a good police police officer. They're individual good people. You can't have a good police officer because what happens when a policeman tries to do the right thing? The department fires them or they get targeted and bullied, right? My, My dad just retired from the Chicago Police Department three months ago. Oh, so you got some you got some skin in the game here. Yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not particularly because listen, listen. My dad grew up in Holy City, west side of Chicago. I don't know if anyone here knows what that means. You know what I'm saying? So, most I don't want to. I don't want to put it on anyone's anyone's agenda. But most black officers that I know of from from our city, they come from these locations. There's a certain mm-hmm. level of empathy. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So, so if you if you have empathy and you see these people as human beings, and your bias is not specific against them, mm-hmm. then you were able to treat them as such. That is not a police issue. That is a person-to-person issue. I agree. There are good. There are police officers who are good at their job. Hmm. That's not the question, right? What makes, what makes police, policing inherently problematic, right? You can't be a part of a corrupt system and still be considered a good policeman on a on a isn't that the institutional black, isn't level that the black liberation talking point we are hold on let's <laughs> pause for a moment here we are all integrating into a system that is flawed and that is against us why are we still attached to it why do you still get up and work for the, for, that, for that particular employer that you that you know has a negative outlook on people who look like you why do you go to that post office? why do you go to any of these these actual establishments or these or these institutions that are not built for the betterment of you. And so, so if we're going to say that, we have to talk radically. If you are against police and you are against reforming it, you need to separate entirely and have a more radical approach to it. I disagree. I think uh, that... I, I mean... Go, go ahead, Dexter. Well, go ahead. I think that the fact that we are beholden to a capitalist system that we don't want to be a part of and is out of our control 
does not mean that I support that system. Right. That that's not what that means. That means that I got to pay my bills and shit. But to finish it, to finish what I was saying was it's the institution that makes police bad. It's the institution. So, for example, you know, you your dad could have been a great officer. Right. Fantastic officer. Never, never had an issue. But if something would have gone down, he would if something would have gone down, it's the rules that allow police to skirt accountability that's the issue for example i don't know what it, i don't i don't know if police unions um vary state to state what their metrics are but if an if an officer in louisiana is accused of <clears throat> excuse me of wrongfully killing someone right they have 60 days they cannot legally they cannot be talked to or investigated in person for 60 days. They're told they, to go home. They're told to go home. And they still got qualified days. immunity. Exactly. The 60 days. Yeah. What What's happening in that 60 days, right? You're getting your story together. Mm-hmm. You're talking to your folks to make sure that they're saying the right thing. You're doing all that. What happens when... Who investigates a police officer when something goes left? Internal affairs. Internal What the... Like, how, you have proven <laughs> that you cannot yeah. adequately... Correct. You, you, ha, you cannot adequately... Ex- investigate your own. So, or, I have or cleared quali- me of all wrongdoing. Exactly. <laughs> or qual- qualified immunity is one. The fact that they're like, well, you know, what you did. So if Derek Chauvin had killed someone, basically for those listening who don't know what qualified immunity is, and this is a very, very uh, stripped down example. If Derek Chauvin had killed someone else by putting his knee on their neck and the department did nothing about it, right, and didn't mm-hmm. reprimand him for it, and he did it again, and he did it again, the department would say, no, you, 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 we can't hold you accountable for that because the first time you did it, we didn't say anything. That's what qualified immunity says. So that is the system. I'm not talking about the individuals. You can be individually good at your job. You can right. individually never have a problem. It's when there is a problem, you have these systems set up to remove you from accountability. That's what needs to be. That's what needs to be fixed. And yes, you are right. Community policing is the way to go, but there just aren't enough bodies to be able. I, I used to work at an apartment complex, right? You know, you know right. this. And you know how much a, a starting officer makes an hour in Louisiana, anyway. Sixteen dollars an hour. I had to. I had to do the math for it, right? As a as an apartment complex leasing agent, without commission, just my hourly rate. I was making more than this police officer, yep. right? Like that is absurd to me like what, what do you mean that's thirty thousand dollars a year like ain't nobody gonna gonna take like now, take a job seriously for thirty thousand dollars a year but, we, yeah, but in chicago I, uh out, out the academy they, oh, out the academy i believe um i would say in two since 2012 um seventy eight thousand dollars base oh, pay how much seventy eight thousand dollars seventy eight wow that's seventy eight thousand nice. dollars now it's just base coming out the academy if you have a degree it's more <laughs> But that that also uh, ties into cost of living. And then another thing that we have that's kind of weird about police officers, right? They, I, I guess it's tied into media. It's tied into, like, a lot of dramatization involving uh, the line of work that they get involved in. They're not even within the top 10 most dangerous jobs in mm-hmm. the U.S. Like, mm-hmm. that's the being a police officer is not as dangerous as... Um, a few other occupations, right? I think they rank within the top 20, but it doesn't fall within the top 10 as far as uh, dangerous situations go. But there's so much paranoia about dealing with the community you have no involvement in, 
right? Mm -hmm. That leads to these heightened situations in which people are hyper-aggressive because they come from an environment that is kill to be killed, dog eat dog. Mm -hmm. So I need to approach you in this aggressive manner so you can respect me when versus like, hey, um, you can just talk to me like a person and I can I can get you squared away. But I still stand with what I say. I still believe that defunding and reallocating resources will yes. only put a Band-Aid on the situation versus abolishing and starting over. And when I say abolishing and starting over, I mean like we can actually have a plan in place. We should have, for one, better pay for officers, right? Mm -hmm. We should advertise more that this job isn't a top 10 most dangerous job in the country. Therefore, you'll have more people willing to apply for the particular positions and then provide them with real, real training. Mm -hmm. Don't put them in situations in which it's a lose-lose for all parties involved, right? Don't put them in a lose-lose situation, which is um, a loss for all parties involved. And also, they need psychological evaluation mm -hmm. throughout their tenure. Not, oh, you just shot somebody? We need you to talk to a therapist. No. How the fuck is your day going besides work shit? Are you mad at your wife right now? Did, did your boyfriend hit you before you came in? Now you finna blow somebody's fucking head off? So we can abolish the police and start something new like come up with a new name i'm not good at making up names and shit because i was <laughs> i was driving here this morning i'm like what the fuck could we call the new police community force <laughs> <laughs> we'll call the niggas community force or right. some bullshit you know but, i okay oh, i'm sorry go ahead y'all got any closing uh statements i know dex you about to say something christian i'll throw it to you then i'm gonna move on to the next topic well i i just think that First of all, defunding the police is where to go. Y'all want to hear my master plan for for fixing the police system? Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It's very simple. You abolish constables. You abolish city police departments. Isn't that a word a lot? Yeah, you you do it. Okay. And you have the sheriff's office absorb them into their uh, into their their staff, and that becomes the policing force in your area. I am not a fan of the sheriff. Don't get me wrong, but. Working at the apartment complex, I had to deal with a lot of a lot of police, domestic issues, all yeah. of that, um, oh, yeah. and, and sheriffs oversee evictions as well. Um, mm -hmm. And sheriffs are always the demeanor, the difference in demeanor between like BRPD and sheriffs. You would think that you can't tell, but I can walk up to somebody and they say, oh, "I'm in law enforcement," and I can tell you whether they're a sheriff or uh, a police officer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with one thing that right. no one wants to acknowledge the amount of of white supremacists that are in the police. And, the la and to my last point, to your point, not only do they need to be doing psychological evaluations, um, I'm sorry, I'm not in shape. I don't go to the gym. Police need to pass a physical every, every year. Like, they need to be able to pass a physical. If you think about, you are much less likely to shoot someone if you feel like, you're healthy enough to be able to take them one on one, right? Mm -hmm. And but you have police officers who are, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 pounds overweight because you only have to pass a physical once. You don't you don't have to yep. do it every year. And so that needs to be that needs to be built into like every year you got to pass a real physical shit. If I had to do it every year in high school, bro, you got to do it every year that you at work. Right. I think until of course you become of age where you don't where you're behind a desk or you're a sergeant or lieutenant or whatever. Um, and you're no longer on the streets. But if you're on the streets, you you need to be in good shape. Yeah. Christian, what's your last words, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know where I stand. Um, yeah, fuck all that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, to respectfully, but I mean, abolishing is just too strong of a word for me. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, listen, is it problematic? Yes, the police are extremely problematic around certain things, but I think most things are circumstantial, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, me, myself, I'm a radical re revolutionary. Like, I'm, I'm totally for, like, policing our own, um, you know, personal accountability. But when we're talking about police itself, it's going to be something that we just have to take a look at and say, hey, you know, they've, they've done a ton of wrong shit in our communities. You know, what can we do? Um, the difference between sheriffs and police, I, I mean, I, I really can't speak to it, you know, personally within my own experience because I've, mm -hmm. I've never interacted with, I don't, I, shit, I mean, the only time I saw Sheriffs them were, are rare, yeah. You know, the like, only, only time I interacted with the sheriffs were at, you know, county. See, we have counties, like, we have one county, Cook County. That's the entire city of Chicago. Nothing is split. There's no parish. There's no, there's no this county, that county. It's just one. The county, other mm. counties vary when you get outside the city, mm -hmm. the suburbs. Who gives a shit about them? So, <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, the level of education um, has to be something we have to take a look at. Now, I disagree with your point on the fact that it's not troublesome, it's not violent. I don't know. It depends upon where you're policing. Depends upon what city. Depends upon what state. Because you tell someone who is policing Gale Gardens on the west side of Chicago, on the south side, or in Philadelphia, I guarantee you when they say, you know, they rolled up a five-block radius in a minivan and had both doors open and they were shooting automatic rifles mm -hmm. for a six-block straight. And they hit 22 people. Now, I don't know about you or what happens in in Baton Rouge, but standard police walk around with bulletproof vests and ARs at this point right now in certain cities. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is it dangerous? Yes. If you pussy, should you be police? No. Mm -hmm. So, if you're uneducated, should you be police? No. This good old boy mentality because your your grandfather was a police, yeah. he was a sheriff. Away with that. These people are fucking idiots, man. Yeah. So. It's my last take. <laughs> Bet. Sorry, guys. We're heading into segment two. Segment two, we're going to talk about some of our differing views on the two-party political system. Can this shit survive the next election series? So we've all seen how um, there's been a rise with folks like AOC. There's been a rise with folks like uh, Bernie Sanders as it relates to democratic socialism. Now, we know Republicans have successfully, or conservatives, I should say, have successfully thwarted the idea of democratic socialism because they made socialism sound like this, this big evil thing. But I don't think our two-party system can survive going into the next election series because the viewpoints and ideology of our country are drastically changing. The Republicans who used to be in the American eyes version of politics centralized are far right now. Our Democrats are still the older established Democrats are still centrist. And there's an internal beef going on between Democrats, between the folks who want to just completely branch away from the name, like the AOCs, the Bernie Sanders of the world. And then you have your traditionalists like the Kamala Harris's, the um, the Joe Biden's and shit. So I don't see that two party system really working because it no longer represents the ideals that uh, most Americans hold true. So I think we're going to see a third party come up. Whoever the fuck the third party's leader is is going to be some charismatic motherfucker with a uh, good idea with naming shit, unlike us. So 
we're gonna have to come they're gonna have to come up with something that's more toward the uh more toward the left more progressive versus what we currently have because for one socialism it's not gonna happen i understand we have a lot of socialists who are uh wanting that political party to really take off but the name has been bastardized already and you can't rebrand socialism so you have to find another name for something that's gonna work for all of the people so what do you guys think as far as the two-party system going into the next election cycle? Do you think it's something that's going to be here or shit ain't going to last? Democrats are fine right now. Um, Democrats are fine right now. First of all, point of clarity, I'm not a Democrat. I am a leftist. Uh, I do not believe that the capitalist system works. I think that uh, you have to have social, social, uh, strong social structures and some form of capitalism, I do believe in that, in the interpersonal, but I do not believe in corporate capitalism with all these tax breaks and all, all that. I'm, I'm not here for it. Um, but I think the Democrats will be fine. The ones that really have to do the soul searching right now is the Republicans. Uh, Joe Biden did some things that the Republicans did not expect. Flipping Georgia, great, I mean, great, great work with Stacey Abrams there. But flipping Georgia is a big deal, right? Flipping Georgia is a huge deal. Um, and you see how Georgia's responding to that understanding. And actually, they began responding when they saw how close Stacey Abrams came to winning in 2018. Um, flipping Arizona is a big deal. And not only, and, and the reason that's a big deal is not because that was a um, that was a, a quick flip. They elected Seneca, right? Jeff Flake, Jeff Flake leaves because of Trump. They elect Seneca, who's a queer woman, right? And then they have this other lady running. Um, this other lady runs, and uh, she ends up losing to um, McSally. Uh, I forget his name, McSally. Uh, and then they win the presidency. So now you see this kind of four, six-year progression of them moving. And now you start looking at Texas, right? Now you got to start looking at Texas yeah. because uh, Bush won Texas by 20-something points. Hillary lost Texas by something like eight to 10 points. Joe Biden lost Texas by between four and six points. So now you got to start looking at Texas and being like, oh, shit, it's starting to get real, real. And so now you see all of these people, them starting to do these very restrictive voter laws. You see them to start to change their language a little bit. But to your point, the third party has already happened. The Tea Party happened already. And that's why the Republican Party is exactly where they are. Notice that when it when it went left, what happened when it went left? John Boehner got out, right? Uh, what was the speaker before Nancy Pelosi? I forget his name. And I see his stupid face. Paul Ryan, is that it? Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan got out. Jeff Flake leaves. And they really lost their credibility when John McCain died. Because I know John McCain was a, um, was, was a Republican. But I think we can all agree that John McCain was a good man, right? Like, if he would have won the presidency in 2008, I wouldn't have felt like um, I wouldn't have felt like there was a racist in the office. I wouldn't have felt like there was somebody actively trying to squash out my my existence. Um, Mitt Romney's being run out of the party, right? They ran Jeff Flake out of the party. So these establishment Republicans, John Kasich is another one, the governor, former governor of Ohio who ran, yeah. was another good Republican that they have run out of the party. Um, and they moved to the right. Whereas when you look at the Democrats, um, they've been, they've placated. I won't say that they've made any real uh, re real substantive moves, but moving to placation of the far left compared to what they were doing eight to 12 years ago when Barack Obama took office is a huge step in the right direction. And I know Nancy Pelosi gets a lot of shit. I like Nancy Pelosi. I, I think that I, I think that she should step down. I, I will say that it's time for new leadership. 
but she has navigated the Democratic Party through some extremely difficult times and difficult decisions, and she deserves credit for that. And if you if you ever get the chance to look up her life story, it's really, really cool. Um, her dad was former mayor of Baltimore, and, uh, you know, she moves out and starts doing some schoolwork in, in, in the San Francisco area and gets, uh, gets picked to run. It, it's just a really cool story, and I just feel um, anytime a woman does something first, they get unnecessary hate. Uh, and so when you think about Kamala Harris and when you think about Nancy Pelosi and AOC, you you can have your legitimate grievances. But I asked one of my friends who happens to be a, a, a conservative, I was like, why do y'all actually not like Nancy Pelosi? Like she hasn't done anything. Like when you talk about Donald Trump and you talk about like yeah. you can point to Donald Trump and be like, well, he did this, he did this, he did that. What has Nancy Pelosi done? She went to get her hair done without her mask on while telling people where her mask. Like that's it. Like you just hate her because she's the opposition and because she's a woman. So I think that I think that the Democratic Party will be just fine. What's going to have to happen is the right is going to have to figure out their party. Joe Biden said it perfectly um, when they asked him if he was going to run again in his first press conference. He was like, hey. I don't know if there's going to be a Republican party in four years. Like they got to get their house in order. If there's going to be, if I'm going to run against anyone and that is an extremely good point, but on to you, Chris. I mean, I believe so. I believe they'll, they'll survive, but, um, I guess, I guess my, my question to that is, will the country last? I think we're more divided than we've ever been. Not even just politically. I think there are certain social issues. Um, that are just bleeding over into our, our political views and how we vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think, I think the democratic party has, has held on to their, their views as much as they can. But, you know, I think there's a fight between the democratic party is extreme leftists. And that's the term that they, they, they before, give them before let, let's talk about what extreme leftism is, right. because it's really not that extreme. I know. I know. That's but, the crazy but, part. but the talking points are, you know, you know, if you if you talk to someone like in in South South Baton Rouge, you know, a white conservative, and you you ask them, hey, define a uh, you know a leftist, an extreme leftist, they'll probably say Barack Obama mm-hmm. and not you know? Nelson Mandela. Exactly. <laughs> so so it's it, it's all it's all about perception and, and how the, the Republican Party is able to uh, to change the actual lens. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't I don't see it being being that big of a deal. I think the Republicans have a big a big issue on their hands, but I think they'll be able to recoup um, as long as they can switch the base. But you have to take a look at what Donald Trump has done during his presidency. Yeah, He personally, I don't believe he solely believes anything that he says. Agreed. He is, he is an excellent strategist and he's, he's a businessman first, maybe not the best businessman, but he understands he can, he can speak to an audience based upon what their, their passions are. He is a, he is a German Polish guy from New York City, Manhattan. He has nothing in common with anyone in in in, in, he hates in, them, in, in Virginia. He, hates he, them. he he said, "Give me give me a poorly educated white person. I love them." Mm-hmm. That is the Republican Party to 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 a certain extent. And for us to say, and for Joe Biden to say, "Hey, we need to hold hands with these with these people on the other on the other side of the aisle." I disagree. I disagree. We are in direct opposition. They might as well be bloods and we'd be crips. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is it going to last? Maybe so. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say. I think, I think we are, we're in a very, very weird time to where you have the Proud Boys and you have the Oath Keepers 
who uh, who have rushed the Capitol. That's going to be the new norm. This is going to be something we have to take a look at because they are they are the quintessential Republican Party. This is something else. This is mutated. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is. I have no idea. You know, so are they marginalized? I don't think so. Are they just white and upset? Maybe so. Who knows? Who knows? And, you know, what do we do? I, I, don't, I don't think that. So the main thing with the Republican Party is that they lost the center. They lived in the center, right? They lived in that that 40% of people who don't, I'm sorry, that 30% of people who don't identify as Republican or Democrat and tend to lean Republican. Most independents tend to lean Republican. They lost those people who were going to give them the White House or anything across the country. That's why he lost Wisconsin, really. That's why he lost Pennsylvania, um, that's why he lost uh, uh, Arizona. But I think the biggest thing is that we have to recognize Donald Trump was definitely an anomaly. Everything, yeah, it, sure. he, he's not representative of the Republican Party, but what happened was they underestimated, and instead of standing up to him, which is the Republican Party, this is a huge place where the Republicans and Democrats uh, diverge. Democrats want to do things the right way. Right. They want consensus. They want process. And I actually appreciate that as a political science major. Republicans don't give a fuck. They they will gerrymander. They will cheat. They will do whatever they have to do. And they saw the opportunity. You know, Mitch McConnell was sitting in that room with with with, and was just like, look, don't none of us like this nigga. (laughs) <laughs> but we got four years and at least two years of complete government control. We got to get some shit done. And if that means yeah. that we got to support this dude for two years, that's cool because we're going to put stuff into place. Now, what they didn't expect to happen was losing so terribly in 2018 because that changed the whole dynamic of what they were able to do. But Donald Trump has ruined the Republican Party. It has no identity anymore. Right. All the former Republicans have come over to the Democratic Party and independents have moved over to the Democratic Party. The question is, how are you going to win them back? And even if you're able to figure out a strategy to win them back, you still have to get them to forgive you for the last four years. Right. For the last four years of the things that you did and you allowed to happen because, you know, me, I'm black as shit. You fuck over me once. That's a wrap. If the the Democrats fuck over me once, I will vote for Donald Trump in a second. In a second, right? Oh, absolutely. If but, if Donald Trump comes up and says, because at this point, I, I believe Ice Cube puts it best and, and uh, Killer Mike, I don't care who it is. I care about the agenda. What is your agenda for black folks? Now, I feel like we never really come first, though, in anybody's agenda. Like the Democratic mm. Party is great for giving out slogans and phrases and all this other bullshit. But yeah. when it comes to doing something unique for black people, like uh, people give Barack flack for this. And we like to give Barack this excuse. If he wasn't the president of black people, he's the president of all people. Well, Barack doesn't get elected unless black people get out and vote. Yeah. Joe Biden most definitely does not get elected unless we get out and vote. Mm-hmm. So, there has to be at some point in time a point where they really do something for the black community. Because at this point in time, both parties are run by corporations, right? Right. It seems like the Republicans are losing the love from the corporate sponsors because they keep doing bullshit that's starting <laughs> to be like uh, rang out. You can't in the hide public, it. Right? Yeah. You can't they're not hiding their bullshit anymore, but 
I mean, we still have corporations that truly run the United States. Like uh, you were saying off mic, corporations are people here in America. So while capitalism is the, the, the driving tool for our democratic society, I feel that something has to form out of this. The Democratic Party is not really doing enough for us. They give us a lot of lip service, right? A lot of fucking lip service. But no action, no results. Republicans are doing exact. Their Republicans run their party just like they run their businesses. They understand the rules and they understand how to win by the fucked up rules that are in place. But at some point in time, man, people are just going to get fed up. We've been in this society for a long time. The well, previous societies haven't lasted this long unless you're thinking about the Roman Empire and shit like that. And at some point in time, the Roman Empire crumbled. So we got to get some shit together like to, to make this country last and work for all people involved or... Somebody besides the the top one percent, right, right? The top one percent. It's just businesses at this point, but at some point in time, something has to happen in which something works for all parties involved, and it's it's not going to happen during our generation, guys. Like we're going to be dead, long yeah. and gone. Well, I don't I don't know about that. Something happens. I think um, every every day from now until like twenty thirty, there's like thirty thousand people turning uh, seventy years old, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone. The majority of kids under the age of 15 are either black or biracial. That That is a huge, over the next decade, over the next decade, the young folks and also Generation Z is a pretty large generation there. They're going to outnumber uh, millennials. Millennials are the only are the only generation that move further left the older they get. The older all of us get, the youngest of us are 30, 30-ish now, right? right. Um, the oldest being 40. We're the only ones who can who have continued to move further and further left as we've gotten older. And Republicans see that coming, right? Republicans know what that means. That mean and, and especially with the um the the push going on right now to change the pop change it to the popular vote. Um, this is the first time I've actually seen Democrats do something strategic and smart. You know, what they did was basically said, all right, y'all aren't going to change the Electoral College, but what we're going to do is in, in states that we control, we're going to make our electors vote for whoever wins the popular vote. That doesn't sound very, that doesn't sound very substantial, but once you get to 270, the total being 270 of states saying, we're going to vote for whoever wins the popular vote, no president can now win the Electoral College anyway yeah. without, without winning the popular vote. Right. Well, here's a here's a question for that. So, I'm pretty sure you guys are all familiar with the talking point Republicans are putting out for um, we're we're basically importing um Hispanic and Latino immigrants mm-hmm. to vote Democratic and liberal to change the actual tide. Do you believe that? And do you do you honestly believe that most? Let me let me frame the question this way. Do you believe that most immigrants that are coming from uh, either Latin America? Um, or below the border have a more conservative or democratic outlook on their interpretation of this country. Well, for, yeah, they're, they're conservative. But first of all, I think the conversation has to be had of, do you know how committed to hate and racism you have to be to convince yourself that people coming across the border illegally with no social security number, no, no anything, no driver's license, right, can mm-hmm. somehow get benefits and jobs from the government. 
I worked in a situation where we had to have international people come in. You have to go to the Social Security office and get even a temporary Social Security number to be able to work in the United States. So, no, I want you as I want you as an American citizen, a racist person to go to Canada, walk up into the welfare office talking about I'm going to need some benefits. I'm going to need some college. I'm going to need all of that. And see how it's gonna how it's gonna work. So that's number one. They can't vote. They can't get services. They can't do any of those things. It's a Republican talking point that is yep. just demonstrably false. But to answer your question, um, no, Mexican, particularly Mexican men and Cuban men, tend to lean right. Uh, Cubans gave Donald Trump Florida. Um, they also Mexicans gave Donald yep. Trump Texas. So they typically tend to be conservative. Right. Well, and they do have the opportunities to vote. Like you said, they vote right. They mm-hmm. vote Republican because it also has something to do with identity as well. Mm-hmm. They don't see themselves uh-huh. as quote unquote black or brown people. They they look that way. You know what I'm saying? They look brown, sometimes even black, but they don't lean in that direction. They see themselves as white men and white women. I think just they so happen to be Spanish. Is that geographical? No, I think they I, I think they can I, they connect to the language of of the Republican Party. If you work hard and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you can be successful. A fucking million. Yeah. And one thing that we will get one thing that I will give, you know, uh Latinx folks, them motherfuckers work, boy. They y'all they they work. I ain't I ain't mad at it. I ain't, it ain't a bad thing. They they work and they work hard because they're coming here with literally nothing and they're building something. And I respect that. And you get caught in your own um, your own circle of being like, well, if I did it, why can't they do it? Yep. That. But, but if you, is it not geographical? This, this is my question. Like, is it not geographically? Because most, yes, I would agree. Florida, Texas, most most Mexican Americans, they they do vote Republican. But if you look in terms of the Midwest, East Coast, West Coast, they vote liberal. Social relations. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, so is there any truth to that claim that we're we're importing them in. I don't think there's any truth into us importing them in because a lot of times they come here for the job opportunities. They come seeking asylum and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, will I just blindly say that Democrats don't have extra agendas into speeding up the process for citizenship because yeah. you get some uh, some some brownie points for doing that? Then, yeah, I'll say that. I'll say the Democratic Party does do that. But uh, it's also about your socialization, too. So that brings up a very interesting point. Very interesting point and the last point, uh, last topic that we have for the day. Now, we've been been leaning heavily on the social side, guys, and on the political side. But I want to talk about some more lighthearted shit. (laughs) So as of late... There's been this meme going around about uh, we need to normalize friends dating. This is like dudes and girls being actual friends and going out on quote unquote dates, but it's purely platonic. No one's trying to fuck anybody. And it's an interesting situation to me because uh, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody in our demographic, we're in our uh, early 30s. We watched Kane Carter. Kane Carter was really popping during our like formative adult years, like in our 20 to 20, it was a popular YouTuber. Used to make these funny videos, like his bottom bitch theory and all this other stuff. Super misogynistic bullshit at the time, but it was still funny videos nonetheless. Well, 
I'm going to tie the memes and this recent video that he put out. Like, he recently went through some uh, type of major health, major life shit, mm -hmm. which he's done a complete 360, in which he makes videos now talking about, like, how a lot of the old videos that he made was from a sick, fucked up place. He had to experience life to understand things. And he talked about his relationship with women and how in high school, that's when we first get socialized that women aren't people, right? There's something for you to fuck on. You, you, you lose your virginity. You get with this group of friends, right? Typically older folks like might be uh, juniors, seniors in high school and shit. And they already fucking. So they looking at you as the new young guy and you're the virgin. So they rip on you until you're not the virgin anymore. But as soon as you're not the virgin anymore, it's about the numbers game. And the numbers game is something that stays with most dudes up until we get to our 30s and shit. Because that's some conversation that we have in our circles. So I looked at that video and I was like, damn, man, I really didn't think about it because I used to have the mindset of dudes and women can't be friends because of biologic makeups mm. and you want to fuck on them and all this other shit. And then I made an actual friend with a woman uh, a few a uh, few years ago and shit. That's just like the homie. Mm -hmm. But I think about how we're all socialized mm -hmm. in which women ain't aren't people in our eyes. Like, and, and it's, it's just an interesting point. So what do y'all think about friends dates? I do it all the time. Most of my most of my close friends are women. Um, and, and the reason for that is niggas don't be talking about shit. And it annoys me. Like, because you see, you, this is your first time meeting me, Chris. I like to have deep conversations. So do I. Uh, and, and dudes just don't like you. You ain't making me think about nothing. I, I will walk away. And don't get me wrong. I love a good sports debate because we can all agree that Kobe is better than Michael. Yes, I said it. I know he's from Chicago. Um, Negative. <laughs> we can all agree. Uh, we, can all, we can argue about Tom Brady being the GOAT. I can go through stats with you and all of that. But I want to have real conversations. And honestly, women are just more fun to be around. Um, and also, I have to admit that I always... I was that weird nigga that, and it was raised because I was, it was because I was raised with my mom and my grandmother and my aunts and, you know, all of that. Same. I didn't, I never viewed women as a trophy, right? Um, I've always respected women, uh, which is why, you know, me and you talk about how a man should be the leader of a household, you know, I'm, and I'm like, that's such a fucking stupid thing because men are stupid, right? Like, I know many women who are much more capable of leading shit than men. And I've worked in the corporate world for a while now, right? And so I go, actually, last night, my homegirl was supposed to ride down with me to New Orleans for the show. She came to my show with me last week. You know, I called my other homegirl um, a couple of days ago just to check in, and I went out to, I went to my other homegirl's house to do a, um, what is it called? To work, to hold each other accountable. She made us breakfast, we chill, we watch movies, right? Like, it, it's cool. And then me and her husband met up two days later to go eat crawfish together at the park, right? And so, like, it, it's just, it, it should happen. The fact that, you know, I worked at that camp in upstate New York um, or whatever. And my second year there, uh, Ryan, one of my best friends, Ryan, who lives in Michigan, uh, who wasn't a camper, you know, there's folks who were campers and the ones who weren't and became staff. He, he brought up something very interesting to me. The first thing I said, what's the thing you love most about camp that you're happy that your, your three boys are going to be able to experience. And he was like, honestly, the coolest thing to me is that there are boys and girls here who are just friends, right? They're just friends they hang out with each other. They want nothing from each other. They just love each other's company, and they love each other as friends. 
And that's usually not something you learn how to do until after you get out of college into the corporate world and you start hanging around with women who are married and, you know, you can't really cross those lines. And he was like, but my kids are going to move through life understanding that you can have real substantive friendships with women outside of looking for a relationship. And I just think that's one of the coolest things um, ever. So go on friend dates, make you some friends of the opposite gender, uh, normalize not wanting to fuck everything that moves and, and, and just, you know, be people together. What about you, Chris? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, I, I, had, I had a similar upbringing as well. You know, I was raised by my my mom, my aunt, uh, my sister, and my cousin. So um, I had very strong-minded women in, in my in my life. So, you know, but, you know, to say that we objectify women early, I, I tend to disagree because I had, I was in a relationship when I was 13 until I was 22. Wow. So I didn't know how to date coming out of that relationship. I had, you know... But then also, you know, growing up in the city and growing up, you know, I went to three different high schools. Um, I had the same friends, but, you know, I never really cared when it was like, well, you know, who who you who you fucking on now? And then like I'm like, I had to I had the girl, you know, and in her neighborhood, she was uh she was Puerto Rican, Jamaican, and Irish. So, you know, they all they Damn, all wanted her. What was that accent like? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. It was it was fire. Shout out Janae. Um, but it's like you know when you when you when you're happy and you have a, a a good idea as to what you offer and that that comes into into a bigger discussion about you know gender specific roles i don't believe in that i don't believe a man mm-hmm. is i don't believe a man is supposed to be the breadwinner wholeheartedly across the case um i don't believe a woman is supposed to cook and clean and do your laundry and then wait for you to get home and um like kevin sims would say um make sure the the homework is done i'm just here at a at an admin capacity and executive capacity i'm going to sign off on these things and you go back to cooking dinner i don't agree with that it's 2021 um i think we should be able to have more uh more in-depth conversations but also women are of the same stigma that they if you if you're in a relationship I'm pretty sure you heard it before. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really trust that woman. I don't trust the circumstance. She's told mm-hmm. you this before. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot to do with the socialization at an early age. Um, you know, we talked about this before about, you know, some people we have in common that, you know, uh, uh, I can have pretty pretty gorgeous and, and attractive female friends and it not cross my mind because I don't see them as something mm-hmm. to conquer or it's not a conquest for me. It's... You know, they're just decent human beings. We have something in common that's more than, you know, our genitals are, are supposed to meet at some point. It's not It's not that. It's more so like, hey, you like film. Hey, you like music. Hey, you're into uh, cuisine. You're into interior design. And me personally being a, a not the quintessential masculine man, you know, I'm not, you know, fixing cars. I'm not, you know, changing oils. I'm not, you know, lifting 400 pounds and, that's not who I am, so I should be able to attach to some to some people who I find in common with. And if that's a woman who happens to be attractive, you want to go on a date with her, go ahead. But if you're in a relationship and a woman that you're with is not okay with that, therein lies a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to ask that question: Is my relationship more important with my girl, my wife, my fiance than the person who's been here for years? I don't know. You have to ask that question yourself. So, I mean, I have that conversation whenever I date anyone. First thing I say is, hey, all of my best friends are women. So you need to be prepared for that. Like, I'm not going to make let you make me choose 
between mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So you need to be prepared coming in knowing that, hey, my best friends happen to be women. I I love them. There's nothing there's nothing with it. But if that's something you can't handle, then you go you're gonna have to walk out the door. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like it should be like a gradual introduction thing? Cause I was I was talking to my wife about this the other day, right? Cause I used to be a person that um that that was of that mindset. Like dudes and girls can't be friends because mm-hmm. uh the guy's gonna catch feelings or something like that, or the girl's gonna catch feelings, and then I made friends, because, uh, you know, once you become an adult, you're working a lot more than you're in school. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I made friends with this young lady I used to work with. And all of our conversations were about music. And it was the first time I was able to ever have hip-hop discussions. I ain't talking about, like, oh, what's mm-hmm. on the radio? I mean, we br- we busting down Nas albums, old shit. We busting down J-Rock music, all that shit. And it was just purely platonic. There was nothing sexual about the uh, the relationship. But it fucked my head up because I'm like, before. right, it never happened before. So I'm like, damn, I've been really sitting here looking at women like they're just these trophies and mm-hmm. these just objects versus, holy fuck, they're human. <laughs> oh, shit, they're people. Yeah. So it's like, I can understand how that mindset can get fucked up in women as well because just like we're socialized that way, you guys were different. You you were socialized what I would view as the right way to view people as people. But a lot of us weren't socialized in that way, so... I ask you this with with your with your significant other. If she said, "Hey, I'm not really comfortable with that," would you take the time to allow her to meet your female friends and say, "Hey, this is this is how we socialize. This is the mm-hmm. right thing," or would you just immediately like chop that shit off at the legs? Like, yo, I don't really have that mending heart. Yeah, you're you're gonna meet them, right? You're gonna meet them, and you're gonna you're gonna be around them uh, because their approval of you is just as important as your approval of them correct, to me, correct. right? So, like, uh, my last relationship, uh, Ari, the one who was supposed to go to the show with me yesterday, I had my my girlfriend come over, and, uh, you know, they met, they spent time with each other or whatever. You know, they were cool with each other because Taylor mm-hmm. really didn't care about me having um, me having girlfriends or whatever. And so after I broke up with, uh, with Taylor, I called Ari, and I was like, yeah, you know, so uh didn't work out. She was like, "Good, cuz I ain't like that bitch cuz when we was over there, she wasn't touching you, she wasn't talking to you, she was she just wasn't she wasn't as into you as my friend as I want her to be, right? Like I want somebody right. for you that's going that's going to be around you all the time." She was like, "Is you too good of a dude to be blah 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 blah?" Like mm-hmm. she she was she was literally building me up, but she was like, "I ain't won't say nothing because you're my friend and right. I know how crazy you were about her." So I was going to let you figure that out for yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. so that is even a different level of friendship for her to know that, A, I see it, but you know what? He ain't saying nothing, and I love you enough to let you figure it out. Exactly. I love you enough to let you figure it out on your own. But she told me, she was like, but I was getting real close. I was getting Mm -hmm. real close to being like, hey, friend, we need to talk, right? And even my other friends, uh, Kristen did not like her. Right, Kristen, because me and Taylor Women dated in, the yeah, see. they can see. We that dated shit. in 2018, and I let her meet Kristen. This was before I met Ari. I let her meet Kristen, and Kristen called me, and me and Kristen have a much more like direct conversation. She was like, "Nah, I ain't feeling that one, Dex. Like, I'm gonna let you figure this one out, but uh, I'm just letting you know." You dated her? Who? Hold on, let me pass you the mic. You dated that friend. <laughs> 
No, 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 oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Uh, Kristen is, I dated Taylor two years previously. So, mm. you know, I introduced her to Taylor two years ago. I introduced her to Ari late last year. Um, and so both of them were just like, nah, this ain't, this ain't for you. Cause, and, and women have that, that ability to see that, you know, whereas I was blinded by love and not really seeing the little signals. Ari was able to sit on that couch for three hours and just be like, okay. I, I see. I'm not picking up what you're putting down. And I think that's where we lose. That's what you lose when you view women like as a trophy, because it's crazy to me the way that you talk about um, not knowing that women had interest and, and like expertise in things is the same way that I felt when I realized parents were people. Right. The same way I was like, God, wait, my mama used to go out and do stuff like she used to. She used to have fun. She got friends like and I didn't realize that until I started working with a lady when I was 22, who had two kids, and she was just the most fun, charismatic. Shout out to Patricia Kaisermore uh, and Logan and, and the fam uh, from Barnes and Noble. But she was so fun and like so airy, and she called me her work son, and like we still keep in contact to this day. And I was like, hold on, she got kids. She ain't supposed to be this cool. Like that ain't what parents do. And so to hear that you had the same feeling about women, whereas I in high school. Um, you know, I was a virgin up until junior year, I think maybe junior, sophomore year, I forget. Uh, but even then, you know, I had a whole bunch of girlfriends. Um, I had a whole bunch of guy friends. I was fairly popular in high school. So like I was cool with everybody, but it was based on our interest, right? Like if you was a Lakers fan, you was cool with me. If you was a Kanye fan, you was cool with me. If you enjoyed basketball and volleyball, like you was cool with me. So it, it didn't matter. I used to go and play. I, I'll give you this quick story. Then I'll pass it back to you, Chris. The times it, it I used to be a really good basketball player before my knees went out. The times that I have been most <laughs> embarrassed is when I played women basketball. I will I Jody Montanino busted my shit. I didn't score a point on Jody Montanino. And then there was one day we was in the gym. Our coach had some people training from LSU. It was three girls. My coach was like, "Hey, you think y'all three could take them?" I was like. I I had gotten busted by Jody like two years before. I was like, I don't know, coach. You know, women women could ball, and the other two was like, boy, it's women. I was like, that one's six five. What you talking about? Like you you yeah, about, we about. And it turned out to be Tamika Johnson, uh, Sylvia Files, and Simone Augustus because he was training them. And when I say busted my ass on the Bruley High basketball court, busted my ass. So I just have a different understanding of who women are and, and how to engage with them. And they just add value as friends to your life, things that men don't see or know how to communicate. It's great. So get you some girlfriends and go on, on, on platonic dates. Chris? You're right. Get some girlfriends and go on platonic dates. But at the same time, you have to figure out a good a good balance of yeah. being a great man and objectifying women yeah. only when it serves you. Now, now, <laughs> now I want to... I, I'm, this, is, this is the take. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit more radical, and I'm pretty, pretty sure this is why you brought me on. But... You have to prioritize women in your life. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to say, she doesn't understand culture. She's probably as useful as a cocktail table at this point. So <laughs> I'm probably going to fuck her and leave. Now, it's, you, can, you should be able to be that type of person, but also say, you know what? I love you as my girl. You got to have a balance, you know? You're gonna you're gonna go through parts in your life to where you you know you're saying I just I just want this from you, and it's okay. And if you have that understanding and there's respect, that's fine. That doesn't mean you 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 dislike her. Or you don't you don't have respect for her. It's just that 
in that circumstance, the only thing you really wanted was that. But, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a toolbox. You know, if you got to hang a picture, you take that tool out, you use it. And when you're done with it, you put it back. And that's it. You're going about your day. But at the same time, you have to have a certain level of uh, of decency mm-hmm. and, and, and operate with, with a white glove. Because nowadays, this is a very, very troubling time. You intent and consent are very important. Yeah. So objectifying can lead you down a very slippery slope. And if you're not married and you're single out here and you have that, that type of mind frame, you might find yourself in a circumstance to where you're being canceled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, protect yourself. Yeah, you got to protect yourself. You got to understand the uh, situations that you're getting involved with. And you also got to realize, man, we're getting into this different environment in which we got to, we as guys got to hold ourselves accountable, especially Mm -hmm. when we get information. Like that information shouldn't be the same for kids now, particularly boys. Because I mean, a lot of boys right now, like I'm talking about eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, going into college, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors and shit, they still look at women the same way that I did back in high school. Like, mm-hmm. it's a numbers game and all this other shit versus finding out how dope these individuals are. Like, women a lot of times won't make male friends until a lot later in life because they understand the game. Mm-hmm. They understand the game. So, being able to impart that knowledge, like, nah, yo, you should look at everybody as friends. You can be friends with any fucking body you yep. want to as long as you have a common interest. So, guys, I think we kind of reached the end we did first episode down first episode welcome guys welcome christian to the show i'm saying welcome like this ain't a brand new fucking show (laughs) once again guys my name is dj i am one of the three co-hosts we're gonna bring this uh segment once every two weeks so we're gonna do every two weeks with a new episode that way we can have a lot of new content Mm -hmm. to discuss a lot of new relevant subjects so we're gonna bring this to you guys every two weeks so be on the lookout for us on all streaming platforms. Hopefully we can have a YouTube arm at some point in time, but we're going to have some clips, some content for you motherfuckers. Just a little bit of something. See this pretty so, ass face. We're going to uh, do a bit of a brief introduction before the outro, guys. We'll give our social media handles, how you can find us, how you can follow us, how you can support the podcast. So until we get a name for this motherfucker, we just going to call it. We'll name it later. <laughs> we'll name it later podcast I am one of the three co-hosts My name is uh, DJ I'm pulling up my social media handle now guys Because I don't memorize shit at all That's my, You guys can follow me on Instagram That's the only thing I really interact on Instagram at supreme7 underscore 3 Supreme7 underscore 3 Gonna pass it over to Dexter So yes you can find me on Instagram At d.nix That's d.nichs uh, you can also find me on Twitter at D underscore Nick, spelled the same way. Uh, you can also stream all of my music if you search Dexter Nicholas on anywhere that you get your music. I have an album that just came out called 30, um, and I will pass it to Christian. Yeah, so this is Christian. You can follow me on Instagram, underscore just Chavo, C-H-A-V-O. You can add me on Snapchat as well. You might find some content you might like. Uh, yeah, so we're here uh, every two weeks. Hope to see you guys soon. Yep. Right. Peace, y'all. We'll see you in two weeks.